0: Welcome to Goodfellow Podcasts. This episode is sponsored by the Auckland Faculty of the Royal New Zealand College of General Practitioners. I'm Dr Louise Kugler, a GP, and today I have the pleasure of welcoming Jonathan Heather to talk to us about burns in primary care. Jonathan is a New Zealand-trained plastic surgeon working at Counties Manukau District Health Board in the Plastics Unit and also in the National Burns Centre. He works privately at the North Shore Plastics and Cosmetic Surgery Clinic. Welcome, Jonathan. Thanks, Liz. So today we're talking about burns in primary care. A patient presents acutely to our general practice surgery. What do we need to consider, Jonathan, when assessing this burn?
1: Well, as with any trauma, uh, we want to consider our ABCs. And there are a few burn-specific considerations in this. For example, burns around the face can cause significant swelling, and that can even be enough to embarrass the airway. With regards to breathing, we should take extra care to ensure the patient doesn't have an inhalational injury. The main circulatory consideration would be circumferential limb burns, for example, and the fact that swelling around those injuries can cause problems with the uh, circulation to that limb. D is mostly about uh, ensuring that the uh, patient hasn't been incapacitated during the burn, which might lead to a more severe injury or be an indicator that they indeed have an inhalational injury from being down in a fire. And E is about exposure. So um, removing tight clothing or jewelry that might compound an injury, um, and also monitoring the environment. So it's a good time to remember that burn patients are prone to hypothermia and they should be examined in a warm environment. When we move on to the history in burns, um, it's important to determine what the mechanism of injury was because a flame or accelerant burn is much more likely to cause a deep injury than, for example, a scald. We'd like to know exactly when the burn took place and what sort of environment it happened in so, a burn that takes place in an enclosed space is much more likely once again to give you a um, patient that has uh, inhalational injury as a component of their um, burn. Um, we should check that first aid has been performed, and we we'll, I think we're coming back to that, um, but also exclude other injuries because burns can be part of a multi trauma presentation and um, other medical comorbidities particularly um, things like diabetes uh, which may lead to impaired wound healing uh, or whether the patient was intoxicated uh, during the injury finally with um, smaller children or older adults in particular it's important to exclude a non-accidental injury and it's also a good opportunity to check in their history that their immunizations are up to date because Burn wounds, particularly deeper ones, are tetanus prone injuries. Discussing examination in burn, the main um, considerations are the depth of the burn and the extent of that burn. Now, burn depth is classified anatomically according to the uh, Australia New Zealand Burn Association. And that's a useful classification because it lets us know how much of the healthy tissue has been left behind with the potential to heal the wound. The most superficial of these is epidermal burns. And that is very the typical sunburn. It looks um, uh, erythematous. There are very few blisters usually, and that heals up um, very quickly over just a few days. As we move deeper, we come to um, the dermal burns, and in the superficial dermis, we'll begin to see some blisters on a bright, red, moist surface. These burns should still readily blanch because they have an intact blood supply, and the um, wound surface will actually be very painful because of all the exposed nerve endings. They should nonetheless heal quite quickly, uh, certainly within a week or two. Going deeper through the dermis, we get onto mid-dermal burns where we'll start to see some uh, fixed staining, some red mottling perhaps in the skin, and they won't blanch so easily because the um, dermal plexus of blood vessels has been damaged. Um, These will take longer to heal. Between two or three weeks is common. We move into deep dermal burns as the burn progresses, and these will become blotchy with fixed staining they may look dark red or even slightly white Um, they tend not to blister so much because the thickness of the burn um, precludes a lot of fluid transudation under the epidermis and they tend not to be so painful because the nerve endings have been damaged as well finally full thickness burns they look and they feel a lot like leather Um, they are white or perhaps brown, they're not very painful at all, and they won't exhibit any capillary refill. Now, these burns really don't have any skin reserve left to heal, and so the um, best chance that they have at healing is usually with surgery. Discussing area assessment in um, burns, uh, there are three common methods of doing this. Um, There is the well-known rule of nines, Uh, there's London Browder chart, and then there's more useful patient's uh, hand representing 1% of their body surface area. The rule of nines refers to 9% of the body surface area being represented by the head, 9% by each upper limb, and then 18% by each of the front of the trunk and the back of the trunk and each lower limb. The London Browder charts are a readily available um, representation of this to just break those areas down further and so they can be quite useful for injuries that don't quite occupy a whole anatomical unit. For smaller burns um, it's Most useful to know that the patient's own palm, and including their fingers, represents 1% of their body surface area. So if there are a collection of smaller burns, we can use this to patch things together and estimate the total surface area that's been burned.
0: Excellent, Jonathan. Some really good practice points there. So now thinking about management, what would the initial management be of this patient who's turned up acutely to our surgery?
1: Well the first step in management of uh, burns is uh, first aid and this is about the only thing we can really do to mitigate the depth of the wound. So the rule is 20 minutes of cool running water and that's effective even up to four hours uh, post injury. Really important to watch those patients for hypothermia particularly little children with Small burns who are still very vulnerable to being overcooled if they're being held under a cold shower. After we've uh, done our ABCs, then we can move on to the burn wound assessment uh, proper. And a really good temporary uh, dressing for burn wounds is saran wrap just from the supermarket. It stops the air movement over the surface of an exposed wound, and so it does a lot for pain relief. And it still lets you examine the area for uh, the depth of the burn and the extent of the injury. Um, Analgesia is really important in burns because they're such painful injuries. Opioid analgesia is commonly uh, indicated, and it's best delivered uh, intravenously in small increments that are titrated to effect. Um, Once again, it's a good chance to update the patient's uh, tetanus vaccination if it hasn't been done. And from there you can make a plan for further assessment, uh, dressings, or you can refer as appropriate.
0: So Jonathan, you've talked about referral. That brings up for me red flags. So what are the red flags when it comes to a burn? And who needs immediate discussion and referral to a secondary or tertiary care facility?
1: Uh, Well, burns can be fairly complex injuries, so I wouldn't hesitate to at least discuss any of these uh, patients with your regional burn centre. There are four regional burn centres around the country. There's one in Auckland, Waikato, Lower Hutt and Christchurch. And um, there is advice on the National Burn Service website um, as to which specific patients uh, should be um, referred without much hesitation. In general, these referral criteria relate to the extent of the burn, its location, the mechanism of injury, and then some patient factors. Regarding the extent of the burn, Burns greater than 10% in adults and 5% in children uh, would generally need uh, specialist interventions. Uh, The location of the burn is uh, important with regards to special areas around the body. So facial burns, including eyes, um, the genitalia, the hands or the feet, as well as burns around major joints because the scarring consequences of these injuries can be that much more debilitating. Um, Likewise, uh, circumferential burns around the uh, limbs or the chest should also be uh, referred early because the problems that they can cause with circulation. Um, The mechanism of burns, um, in particular uh, chemical or electrical injuries, can cause a uh, much deeper injury than one would expect from other types of thermal burn. So, uh, these should be referred early. And then finally, um, patient factors. So, burns that occur at the extremes of ages in the very young or very old, um, burns that um might be associated with significant uh, medical comorbidities that will influence outcome. And uh, burns where there's any sort of suspicion of non-accidental injury should all be uh, referred to the um, uh, regional burn centre.
0: Thanks, Jonathan. Those are some really good um, points. Um, Just wondered too about toxic shock. When do we think about toxic shock?
1: So there are a couple of... um, Uh, disorders that we also deal with uh, under the, um, as burn surgeons in particular, and um, toxic shock would be one of them. And this is typically a um, uh, sequelae of a staphylococcal or streptococcal infection, uh, whereby there is a secondary desquamation. and it usually affects young children. The other sorts of injuries that fall into that group would include um, toxic epidermal necrolysis, which is a typically drug-related desquamative disorder, but can leave large, raw areas that require treatment similar to burns injuries. Um, and Stephen Johnson's syndrome, which is uh, similar to toxic epidermal necrolysis um, but usually affects a smaller area.
0: Great, thank you Jonathan. So Jonathan just thinking about eyes as a special area, um, can you just run us through what we should do when someone comes in with a burn around the eye area?
1: Well thankfully our protective um, instinct is strong around the eyes so it's uncommon to sustain um, an injury to the uh, globe with no protection uh, from the reflex closure of the eyelids. However, corneal um, ulceration is a significant problem because it can lead to opacifying um, keratinization of that membrane. So, those patients should be uh, examined first of all with fluorescein to look for any um, epithelial defects and then they should be promptly referred to um, a burn service or ophthalmology service for ongoing treatment. Typically that's done as a watch and wait. Um, Typically management is a watch and wait scenario Um, and the uh, best interim care is moist creams such as chloramphenicol and um, uh, eye ointment.
0: So now moving on to management, Jonathan. In primary care, which burns are we managing and how are we managing them?
1: Well, most burns overall are small and they can be very appropriately managed in primary care. The most superficial burns simply require a moisturiser and that should be applied frequently with a non-medicated type ointment such as Vaseline, particularly around the face, is probably the best thing. The aim is just to prevent cracking and further trauma and pain that could be associated with that as the skin dries out. Beyond that, small burns that uh, may be managed in primary care um, will usually need some sort of dressing. And the reality of dressings is that there's very little evidence to say that one form of dressing is superior to another. So the most important thing is to know what you have available and what limitations or benefits it might have. The traditional paraffin gauzes tend to dry out quite quickly and so they can still be used effectively but need to be changed every 24 or 48 hours so they don't stick to the surface of the wound and cause further trauma when they're removed. The more uh, modern and perhaps expensive uh, types of dressings, such as the acetate dressings or uh, silicon contact layers, they really don't dry out, so they can be left intact for longer, perhaps five or even seven days, without adhering to the surface of the wound. Most burn clinicians do favor the use of these um, more expensive dressings now, just because it facilitates a closed dressing management paradigm and it minimizes the frequency of dressing changes and therefore the pain and wound trauma associated with them so silver sulfadiazine cream um, has several disadvantages Um, the principal uh, one is that it's been shown on fairly good data to underperform most other types of dressing, both in infection and in healing. It also needs to be removed and reapplied once every day, uh, which adds significantly to the workload uh, in managing these wounds with dressings and also the patient's pain or distress. So overall, silver sulfadiazine is probably not to be recommended and there are better options about. Regarding antibiotics in burns, they're almost uh, never uh, indicated for small burns because infection is pretty rare and the most frequent um, outcome of prophylactic antibiotics in burns is that if an infection does occur, it'll be with a resistant organism. Perhaps one of the most important uh, things to realize is that anyone's assessment of a burn wound is most accurate at about three or five days after the injuries occurred. So reassessment is fairly key and um, there is very little um, risk in uh, delaying a final decision on the plan for that patient until day three to five.
0: One question I have Jonathan is blisters and the management of blisters. To pop or not to pop and if to pop, when to pop?
1: Well that's a great question and somewhat controversial. Overall that probably means there's not absolutely right answer. In general I would debride blisters if they're in a problem area such as on the surface of a palm of a hand or on the sole of a foot. Also we'll see those patients where the blister rupture is incipient, and so those blisters are best just debrided and cleaned up in the uh, the medical setting, and it saves the patient the distress of having them um, make a mess when they go home. Blisters that aren't uh, in imminent danger of rupturing and aren't likely to impair the patient's function, however, can be left intact. And there's also good information to show that They're less painful if they're left intact than they are if they're ruptured. Perhaps the least um, favorable uh, management is the needle aspiration of the blisters, which really just seems to add to the risk of infection without any other um, detectable benefit.
0: So we're reassessing our burn at three to five days. At what point? or what things would make us refer at that stage?
1: Well, the general principle of uh, burns management is that burns that haven't healed within three weeks are more likely to cause problems with scarring. And that's hypertrophic scarring in particular, but also problems with dispigmentation, itch, uh, and pain. So if you're seeing a burn at around two weeks and healing really doesn't look like it's imminent, then a referral would be appropriate at that stage.
0: Excellent, thank you. So to conclude this podcast, Jonathan, what would your take-home messages be for our listeners today?
1: So my take-home messages would be that most burns are small and these can be appropriately managed in primary care. Patients to refer would include those where inhalational uh, burns or the location of the burn is a concern, as well as patients with burns in special areas, burns with a surface area of 5% in children or 10% in adults, although in children and young ones in particular, a much smaller burn might warrant a period of, of observation and analgesia in hospital. Once again, burns that aren't healing at two to three weeks might well do better with surgery. And if in doubt, any of these cases should be discussed with the regional burn unit. In children or elderly, consider non-accidental injury, particularly if the burn and the story don't quite add up or if there's a delay in presentation. You can take this opportunity to make sure your patient's tetanus immunisation is up, up to date. And certainly don't hesitate to discuss any of these injuries with your regional burn centre.
0: Thank you, Jonathan. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you. If you're a New Zealand GP and would like to claim CME points for listening to this podcast, please fill in a reflection of learning form available on our website, goodfellow.org. Thank you for listening.